Man, what an amazing thing. Power of God. Well, praise God. So uh, I'm doing announcements this, for- this morning. And so uh, if you don't know what's going on, get a bulletin in the back of the church and look in it. Because I truly don't know what's going on. So that's that announcement. The other announcement is if you if if you believe that I bought a new truck, I didn't. Mine broke down, and that's the loaner out there. So because everybody's asking, "Why don't you get a new truck?" Oh, no, I didn't get a new truck. It's just the loaner. Praise God for they gave me a loaner. So that's that announcement. And then I had some pictures. Did did anything happen? I had some pictures this morning that Bethany sent me early this morning on the the progress in Guatemala on the creative house. And I don't know, I got them in some wrong format and I can't get them converted over to the show on the show you this morning. So I have to work on that maybe next week, but, uh, uh, they're doing really good. They got the second story up. It's all up. The roof is on it. They're going inside now working on all the walls on that. They also sent me some pictures of Kenya and, uh, they started tearing the houses down that were, you know, really bad and, and they were bad. And so they're tearing them down and getting out, clearing the land. They started digging the ditches to put the footer in. They've got the rock delivered to put up all the, the walls around the property and, and uh, get that going. So praise God, they're making progress around the world. Yeah. Rescuing orphans. And y'all are all a big part of that. Amen. Y'all are going to get to heaven and you're going to find people running up to you and you're going to say, who are you? And they say, man, remember that $5 you gave? Well, bless God, it saved my life. I mean... How can we do wrong when we're building a, a facility in Kenya uh, that is, is going to, the first building we're going to put up is a building that in just the evening, just listen to this, how sad this is. You know how around here, we, we, if you got goats, you got to put them up in the barn so the coyotes don't eat them, you know, in the evening, you know about that day? And so you got to put the goats up so the coyotes don't eat them. And so... Uh, over there, we're having to build a building so that the young girls in, that are there in the slums can come to the building at night so they won't be raped out on the streets. So, I mean, you, you think about that. Just think about that. You're, 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 I mean, we got issues around here. But, man, you're not trying to keep the wolves off of you from raping your kids, right? right. And so, uh, anyway, so what a blessing to be able to do that to, 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 to get to be a part of that ministry and to help and rescue kids like that. So big deal, big deal. Uh, I love it. But anyway, I had some nice pictures, but I'm sorry. You just had to visualize them in your heads this morning. <laughs> Work on your imaginations. You're showing me something, but I don't know what it is. Change. We're doing that today. All right. Change offering for the orphans. Yeah, see? Ask and it shall be given. I need announcements, and there's one. So we'll be doing the change offering this morning for all the kids and doing that. And uh, what else? God's girls. What's God's girls doing? Thursday night, 6 o'clock, over at the fellowship hall. Praise God. Anything else we got? Ladies' Bible studs, always Thursday, right? So anyway. So praise God, put your hand on your offer, let me pray over it. I can do that. Father, I just declare right now that people today, whether they're watching or they're here or they're giving electronically 
or they're putting cash in the offering, I just declare, Lord, you are the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, I know that the world's saying interest is going up. I mean, uh, uh, inflation's going up. The dollar's worth less. But God, you're the God who makes things always work out. You are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the one who makes a way where there seems to be no way. You're the God who brings provision when there is no provision. And so, Lord, I thank you. We rest in your arms. We rest our finances in your hand. And Lord, we know we are secure and we are safe. So Lord, in the midst of the chaos, I thank you, you bring peace and you bring joy into the hearts of the people, Lord, as we rescue orphans, as we bless people around this world, as we give and sow and establish the kingdom of God here on the face of this earth. And Lord, we thank you for it. We praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I'm not going to sing for you. I'll preach to you. Well, praise God. Y'all can get your Bibles out. And go to Psalms chapter 12, verse 6. Now, I've been preaching this message, what's normal? And so, uh, you know, if you're doing anything in the world right now, you'll know that things are not normal. Okay? Okay. And, uh, you know, being blessed to work in, in all over the world in different countries. And the first thing I always noticed is when I was in a foreign country that, you know, you, you, you couldn't get supplies. And you, you had to pre months ahead prepare for some little project you were going to do to make sure that the supplies were there when you got there. Because otherwise, if you just need the simplest thing. You know, they'd say, well, especially in like Guatemala, we don't have it here. We'll have to go to the city and get it. You know, so that's a two hour drive to the city and a two hour back. So you lost half a day. And then, you know, did they have the right thing and they bring it? It's not that. Well, we couldn't get the one that you wanted, but we found this one, you know, it's a little too long. You had to cut it off, make it work, you know, whatever. It's always this way. And so it just used to frustrate me to no end that I would, you know, just try to make sure I had everything. And then you get down there and you just couldn't get it going. Work like we work. You know, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's build, let's build, let's build, let's build. It was always like, I, you know, manana, 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 you know. And so I used to just think it only happened there. But nowadays we're getting around here in America where we're operating the same way. And so it's really frustrating. So I started preaching this about what's what's norm. And so the world's trying to change what we say is normal. All right. And uh, I, I, I have to tell you this. Well, should I or not? Well, it'll probably get me cut off again, but they cut me off anyway. So um, anyway, I was in a store the other day and I was trying to buy something. And I, I didn't feel real welcomed. I mean, it wasn't that anybody was really ugly to me or, or anything of this nature. Or I was really, you know, nothing like that. It just and I, I, I just chalked it up to, you know, people could be, be having a bad day like all of us, you know. And so then when I left the store, I, I noticed the big sign, the advertising sign out front was, you know, uh, two men holding hands, you know, getting ready for a wedding. And uh, I was like, huh. No wonder. But me, I just walked right in the middle of it, you know, with my hat on and everything. Just walked right in there. Didn't didn't pay any attention to anything. <laughs> and then so 
was kind of like, well, ain't no wonder. They kind of sized me up right off the bat and said, that boy, you know, he don't believe like we do. And so the norm's trying to change and like that's normal. I mean, I think about things that I'm seeing nowadays and I'm thinking about my grandparents. I was raised in the, with my, you know, not raised with my grandparents, but I spent a lot of time with my grandparents and, uh, you know, they, they were the twin bed people. <laughs> Y'all remember that? I mean, they had two twin beds. And I remember as a kid just thinking that was strange. My parents didn't have twin beds, but my grandparents did have twin beds. And so, uh, you know, that was the, their life. That's where they came from. And nowadays I think about, you know, they were sweet people. They were godly Baptist people, loved Jesus. And I think about how shocked they would be if what goes on today was just a TV commercial, you know. And so the world's changing and it's trying to change our normal. We say it's normal, but what we have to do as Christians is we have to stand our ground and we have to know what our normal is with God. We can't be changed off our norm. We can't we can't get to where we start giving up ground and, and agreeing with things that we know are not right just because that's what the world's wanting to go to. Hello? Because we have churches and denominations basically trying to change the reading of the scriptures when forever it's been this away, right? And so you've got to have your norm. Now, what's funny, uh, let me put it to you this way. Uh, I read, you know, I teach all this. I don't teach you anything that I don't do. And I read my Bible every morning, even Sunday morning when I know I have a message to preach. I still have my quiet time with the Lord and I'm reading my scriptures and I'm talking to the Lord. (laughs) Well, this was three of my scriptures this morning. Okay, which started out in Psalms 12 verse 6 was one of them. It says the word of the, the words of the Lord are pure are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times you shall keep them o lord you shall preserve them from this generation forever the wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men okay that was just my daily reading came across this river here was the next chapter that I was reading, Proverbs 29, verse 12. If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I think you're trying to make a point here. Okay. So then my next scripture was Ezekiel 14, or next chapter I was reading was Ezekiel 14, and verse 13 jumped off to me. It says, son of man, when the land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread and send famine on it, cut off man and beast from it. One of the things that you I don't know if you're if you're paying attention to is that, you know, the Ukraine is one of the largest is the fourth largest supplier of wheat in the world, do major exports. And now since the war is going over there and it's broken up. So all of a sudden nations are starting to shift their wheat sales. And so yesterday, India cut off any sales outside of India of wheat because they're taking it back because they're seeing there's going to be a shift coming in here and there's going to be shortages, okay? Now look at Ezekiel 14, 14. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, They would deliver themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord. 
If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they empty it and make it desolate that no man may pass through because of the beast, even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. Only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword on that land and say, sword, go through the land and cut off man and beast from it. Even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord, they would deliver neither son nor daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. In other words, when I what I took out of what everything the Lord was saying is, you know, people have gone too far. And no matter what happens, I want you to understand this is according to what the scriptures are saying. This is why I'm happy this morning, because you good people are here. Y'all are watching. We've got people all out there over the world listening, because it's up to us right now, us to build ourselves in faith and to know what the Lord is doing and what the Lord's saying. But for us to be confident in him that we're in here and even like Daniel, it said Daniel and, and, and Job Noah that they would deliver themselves. It said like they wouldn't deliver their daughters. And like, in other words, you ain't going to ride on mama's faith. It's time for all of us to get our faith going. It's all of us to get ourselves in the word, to know what God's doing, to be strong as Christians. Amen. 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 And so y'all are in church this morning. Everybody's watching this morning. And that's a good sign for you. But you need to make sure and tell everybody else, hey, you better get it going. Okay. So the first step I taught in this whole message is that we got to have repentance. And I always had a hard time repenting for the sins of the nation. Because I'm like, I didn't do it. Right. So why am I repenting for the sins of the nation? I wasn't this racist. I wasn't this person that did this. So why am I having to repent for the nation? But the principle is about repentance is, is that we realize that we have gone away from God. I mean, how are we asking for God? to protect us, to bless our land. When we've taken him out of school, we've taken him out of, uh, of everything. We've tried to get it down there. Now we're changing the gospel and, you know, we're, we're doing all kind of heinous things all right. as a nation. All right. So we repent. That was the first step. Second step was that you have to desire for the, for the kingdom of God to be in your life. In other words, you want to live righteously. You want to be, I want to be a good person. I don't want to be a bad person. Hello? That should be what's down on the inside of us. It's part of our makeup. It's part of our hard wiring that we want to see the kingdom of God in our lives. Amen. Amen. So then the third step, which I think I taught last week, was uh, that we need fellowship. Folks, listen to me. In this day and time, you need your brothers and sisters in Christ. Today is not the time to isolate yourself. If you isolate yourself, the Bible says you seek your own desire. That's all you're trying to do. That's going to get you nowhere, okay? We need fellowship. We need to have fellowship with one another. We need to be attending the women's Bible studies and, and the discipleship courses and the dinner on the grounds and, doing, and building relationships and fellowship because, folks, we're going to need each other more than ever before. Amen. Right. So today I want to talk about the fourth step to get you back to make sure that you're you're on the correct norm with God. Amen. Amen. And so it's simply this. All right. Is that the fourth step is that we have to have we have to have a desire for God in all our thoughts. Now, this can get kind of confusing, but let me show this to you. Go to Psalms chapter 10, verse four. Psalms 10, 4. <clears throat> the wicked 
in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Go to Romans chapter one and give you a New Testament scripture. Romans 1, 28. It says, even as though they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting. So in other words, if you don't want to retain God in your thoughts, you come into this place where you have a debased mind, a mind who does not want to handle good, does not want to take good in, does not want to walk by good. Hello? So. I say you got to have God in all your thoughts, but then I've had people say this to me. Well, I'm working all day, you know, and I'm doing stuff. And how am I supposed to have God in all my thoughts? What am I supposed to be is walking around, quote the scriptures all the time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me walk through the breath. This is how I'm supposed to be all day long. No, 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 no. no. Let's look at this because this is really simple to have God in your thoughts all day long. It really is simple. It's not complicated. It can be done by each and every one of us very easily. All right. So let's look at Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians 515. The first thing you have to understand is you're not in charge. <laughs> now, this is hard for a lot of people because they are in charge. They say, no, I'm in charge. No, you're not in charge. You think you're in charge. You're not in charge. If you're a Christian, you're born again. Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. He has become your Lord. And you, has become, you have become his servant. So you're saying, well, wait, this is my business. No, it's not your business. If you come to the place that, first of all, you'll give everything to the Lord. Then you realize you're working for him. Then you realize you're not the boss. And when there's a problem, it's got to go to the boss. Hello? I love it. I'm at this place in my life that, that, you know, I built houses for so many years and I ran so many workers and did so many subs and had all this stuff and I dealt with all this pressure and all this stuff. And then finally one day I said, it's enough, no more. And so then I went to helping my son in his business. And so now I work for him. I love it. He made me mad. I just go home. <laughs> There's a problem. I call him and say, hey, you got a problem. I'm, I'm ain't going to bother me. You know, I'm going to back to the house. I'm going to go read my Bible, do whatever I'm supposed to do today. Go and enjoy myself. I'm just going home. You deal with it. It's great. <laughs> it's just so freeing from all the pressure that always I had to make the decision. And that's all him. Well, the same joy can be yours if you'll get that away with the Lord. And you'll realize that you're not in charge, that he's in charge. And the problems going on or the frustrations in your life, you're saying, look, Lord, I'm just trying to carry out this job for you. And we've got some issues here and something's got to be done. You need to tell me what to do or show me what to do. I don't know how many times in my life. I mean, literal physical things. Something's not right. Something's not going right. And I just stop and tell the Lord, Lord, I, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Somehow or another, you got to fix it. And then just back off. Quit pushing. Quit getting the sledgehammer trying to beat the door down that's shut. Get the, put, get the crowbar out of my hand where I'm trying to pry the door open. Right? right? And just back off and say, okay, Lord, there's an issue here. You need to show me. I mean, from folks, I mean everything in my life. But as long as you're in charge, you're the one trying to do it. As long as you're pushing, you're, you think that you're, the pressure's on you. You know that, that there's a, I saw it yesterday. Um, 
I think it's a, um, a, I don't know if it's a movie. You know, like you have a movie that says MGM, you know, it had the lion that roared or whoever. I don't know if that's the same ones, but you know what I'm talking about? There's the one where it's the guy's holding up the world and he's got it in his hand and then he holds up the world and he's like this, holding up the world. That's a whatever. (laughs) You're not holding up the world. Now, if you are in charge, you, I guess you are, or you think you are. You ever see the old cartoon? It just popped in my head. I got to worry about things that just pop in my head. But uh, <laughs> the old cartoon, you know, where there's the, the, the big dog and he's driving a peg in the ground. And then the little dog jumps up, pick, hits it and jumps back. Boom, pick, boom, pick. Right. And then they get off time. Is that what you're doing with the Lord? You're the little dog jumping up there trying to help him fix it. And if you don't watch it, you may get squashed. But you see, he's in charge because you're not living for yourself. The first thing that you've got to do, the first step that you've got to take place in in having God in all your thoughts is you have to realize he's in charge, not you. Amen. All right. Now, here's here's the second part of getting those thoughts aligned. Go to Luke 9, verse 23, Luke 9, 23. Jesus is speaking, he said, then he said to all of them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you notice in in Luke's gospel here, he says he uses the word, it says daily. It's not a one time thing, it's daily. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like sometimes we forget. Now, where did I put my cross? (laughs) The reason why you can't remember where you put your cross is because you got so busy doing other things by yourself and trying to do it in your own works and your own strength and your own might and your own frustration and your own anger that you left it somewhere. Now you're looking around. Where's my cross? I know I had it. I laid it down somewhere. Yeah. He goes on and says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Now see, these, these words, they don't make sense to us. It's just like, just like the principle of giving, okay? Uh, Luke 6, 9 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. That, that is not a principle. Banks don't look at things and say, okay, we're going to sow in order to make. We're going to give in order to get. Banks don't have that philosophy. They don't think that. You're not going to go to a money market uh, person and sit down and look, I want to help. I need you to help me build my, my wealth. How are you going to, you know, what, what's your best advice? Well, I think first thing we should do is you sow. You need to give. You're not going to hear that, right? You're going to hear, no, we need to invest in a company that's building, the, it's got the biggest earnings and stuff like this. But the principle in the kingdom of heaven is give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over. Shall God make all men give unto your bosom? That's what the principle of the kingdom is. And if you don't understand that principle, then it seems foreign to you. Well, right here, Jesus says, well, if you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it. And everybody said, what are you talking about? What do you mean lose my life? No, I'm trying to save my life. No, lose it in Christ. Hello? For what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Gains the whole world. But is himself lost. You know the other parable that Jesus told about the rich man that looked and said, man, harvest is looking. I'm paraphrasing all this. He said, harvest is looking good this year. Boy, I'm going to build me a newborn. All right. Call Hill of Metal. and set it up. Boy, come on, Dwayne. Get me a barn quick. I got a big harvest coming in. Woo, woo. 
Need to fill her up. Then he fills it all up. Then he gets back and he washes his hands off and says, Woo, man, am I doing good? I got a barn full. And the Lord said, Fool, tonight your soul was required of you. While you were busy building the big barn, busy bringing in the harvest, busy thinking you were so successful in creating your world, this night your soul was required of which you did nothing with. And folks, I'm just telling you, the things are going on in the world and you're not going to do anything to change the situations going on worldwide. All right. I mean, you can you, we can affect. I, I can't rescue all the orphans, but I can rescue the one that God puts me in front of. Right. And help that one. I can't do them all, but I can do that one. But you're not going to change all of the situation going on in the world. The only person that can do that is God. And what we have to do is we have to realize that the most important thing we can be doing at this point is our relationship with him. That we know what we're doing in prayer. We know what we're doing in reading our word. We're building ourselves in faith. Because folks, it's going to come down to there's nothing but faith left. I, I'm so grieved. I, I, I don't know. This, is, this one really hit me about the, the baby formula shortage. Because I was thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, what about a, a poor you know, parents that have, have, have a child and they're trying to nurse their child and then there's no substitute. You can't substitute for whatever reason and you've got to have baby formula and you, you, you don't have any and you can't get it. The panic that must set in that you can't feed your baby. Folks, that's unheard of in the United States of America. I could see it in the third world, but not here. And I heard one lady over the uh, uh, doing a uh, that was being interviewed saying that she had friends in four different states and that they were going because they had a premature baby that had to have a certain formula and that they were going in those other four states. And those other women were helping her to go through to find the formula in other stores and searching in those four other states to get formula for her to send to her so she could have. It. And I thought, my, what is this? Where is this place we live? I was shocked. It just shocks me so much. That, that, and, I, and then I thought about, oh my gosh, you just think about the poor parents. I mean, who thinks that you're going to have to have prayer for baby food? Right? We were raised our kids. I never had to pray for baby food. Right? And so my point is, is that if we're not building ourselves in faith in God, to help us through these situations and circumstances in life, then there's nothing left for you but panic, grief, stress. That's all that's left for you because you can't do it. You're not good enough. None of us are strong enough in our own abilities to fix these huge problems. But instead, the world turning to God, it seems like the world is turning away from God. All right. But we're smart people. Can I have an amen? amen? Look at that person beside you and say, you're one of them smart people. You're in church. You're reading your Bible. You're trying to grow. You're having fellowship. You're repenting. You're doing the things of God to build yourself. Amen. Hello? Yes, Lord. <laughs> the world is so, so odd right now, okay? And, uh, you know, I'll admit that I'm, I'm a little odd myself. I'll admit it. And, uh, you know, especially like when I go to the city and get away from, you know, utopia. Uh, I, I fit in really well at the cafe, but, you know, plus 
the Utopia Cafe, you know, you, you, you get to town and everybody's odd. But what's funny to me is the people that look at me like I'm odd, <laughs> I'm looking at them thinking, I saw a woman the other day, and, 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 and I'm not going to tell you where, but I just saw a person the other day. It wasn't here in church. It wasn't in any town. But I, I, and I, I, I was trying to be friendly. Like I purpose. See, I have to purpose to myself to be friendly. Because what happens to me is when I get out in the day, and I get in about my day, I'm thinking about the Lord. I'm thinking about the buildings. I'm thinking about somebody. I'm praying. I'm doing all this stuff. And I get wrapped up in myself. And then, therefore, I can walk right by a person and never notice them. That's just, and so I have to think about it before I go out because people are looking at me. And a lot of times I don't know, don't, you know, a person could be watching and they know me because they see me all the time, but I've never seen them. And then they hear me and they say, like one time I was at a store and I said something, I said, hey, I need to get some lumber, la, la, la. And the guy looked at me and says, are you Pastor Richards? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, I've never seen you before, but I've been listening to the broadcast. I recognized your voice. And I was like, wow, that's scary. <laughs> You know, thank goodness I wasn't up there. What are you doing? You bunch of idiots. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so it makes you. Oof. And so anyway, so, so, so I was, I, 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 you know, but you get, I, like I said, I don't think I'm odd. I think I'm just normal. So I, like I walked in this store with my hat on and everything, you know, and just walked in there. I mean, that's how I normally dress every day. I'm not like one time I went. This is a true story. I went in to get on the airplane to go somewhere, and the lady that was the, the stewardess or whatever you call the check-in lady right there said, oh, are you going to a party? <laughs> and it threw me. I didn't know. I didn't know what. I said, excuse me? She said, well, you're all dressed up. I thought maybe you're going to a, a costume party. <laughs> and she was serious. That was her impression. I don't even think I had a comeback for that one. I just was like, I don't know what to say. I'm dumbfounded. But a person was looking at me this way, like I had gone to a costume party and he had done the, I don't know why any human would want to do that where they stretch their earlobe out, you know, and he had a ring in there and about that big around in his earlobe. And I was looking at him thinking, you know, my knife's pretty sharp. I could help trim that stuff off right there. While he's looking at me like I'm going to a costume party. How I got over on all that, I don't really know. But losing your life is wrapped up in Jesus. And it doesn't really make any difference because you're not going to change what's going on there, well. You're not going to change. These situations are so great. You're not going to change. But we have to be developed into our own spirit and our soul where we're so connected to God. It's okay. We're just going to go on. All right. right? Amen. So taking up your cross is not a bad thing. It's a glorious thing. Yeah. When you get in flow with Jesus and you've got your cross, it's not a bad thing. You're, it's not like, oh, gosh, I had to give up everything. No, you gained everything. Amen. So many young people don't want to get saved because they think God's going to, you know, they're going to have to give up everything. No, no, no. You, you, you gain everything. Yeah. When you pick up your cross and you start walking, him, you gain everything like peace, yeah. sanity. Yeah. Amen. Right? Yeah. I'm so thankful for my wife. You know, we've been married. We're, go we're going home. No, no, no. I know what it is. I'm just saying it'll be. We're 42 years married. We're going home 43. And, uh, uh, you know, we love each other and we just love to be with each other. And we, we, we you know, because we've been through it all. We've been through the hard times. Yes. Right? We've been through the the unsaved times, then the getting saved times, and then the, the faith 
building times and then the learning times, the growing times. You know, we had this whole life experience with each other. And so, you know, we have so many jokes, so many inside jokes about things. And, and so we just love to, you know, be together with each other because, you know, our, we, we, you know, when a problem rises up, you know, we can say to each other, yeah. Do you remember when and God delivered us? Right? I mean, because you got to understand something. I was broke, broke. I wasn't just thought I was like just broken one account. No, I was broke, broke. I mean, we were the digging the change out from the seat, trying to find pennies to buy stuff, you know. And uh, that's when I learned to start picking up money. If you look for money, money's everywhere. It's all over the ground. It's everywhere. Although the other day they got me. Finally, I'll pick up anything. Okay, usually. But I stepped out of the car. It was in San Antonio. I stepped out of the car and there was a penny laying on the ground. And I looked at it and I said, man, I ain't even going to pick that one up. I mean, it had something on it. It just broke me. I said, well, Lord, let somebody else get that. That really needs it. And I just left it. But, but what I'm saying is, is that we've gone through all these experiences, right? And there's a comfort in that. Well, that's how we're supposed to be with the Lord. We've had these experiences with the Lord. We've walked with the Lord for so long. You, you, you've got these experiences. You've got this, this relationship with him that no matter what happens, you're just like, well, okay, this is bad, but yeah, you delivered me from this. And so therefore you're going to get me through this and it's going to be okay. And, and you can still rest in him. That's what it means to take up your cross. Amen. It doesn't mean some burdensome thing that's come upon you and oh no, now you've lost. No, you've already given your life up to him. That's why you don't. That's why people don't have God in their thoughts. If they do, they're only thoughts of trying to get him away from because they want to go do what they want to do because they haven't given their lives to Christ. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. <coughs> he says, "Come to me." This is Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, he wants rest for us. It's not like you come to Jesus and get work. You come to Jesus and get rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, the yoke can also be a symbol of the cross. When he said, take up the cross and follow me, he can say, take up my yoke and learn from me. For look at what he says. I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. Every time I find myself tired in my soul, I know that I've been depending too much upon me and not enough upon him. For my yoke is easy and my burden's light. So taking up the cross is a place of learning. Learning to walk with him, learning to flow with him, learning to trust in him. Learning to him that that learning from him that he's everything's going to be okay. Your kids are going to make it. Everything's going to be all right. You're going to get to where you need to be. So. This first little deal about how you're going to keep God and all of your thoughts. Well, the first thing is, is you, you have to ask yourself, is he in charge or are you in charge? Because you're not going to have God in your thoughts as long as you're in charge. You're going to have your thoughts going around through your mind. If he's in charge, then you're all of a sudden things have changed and you realize that, wait a minute. Everything I'm thinking, Lord, is, is, is this what I need to be doing? Are we doing this right? Are we going right? Are we heading in the right direction? The Apostle Paul in, in Romans 1, he referred to himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto God, a bondservant. That was a, a bondservant was a, 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 a slave who had decided to become a slave. 
I never quite figured this one out, but in the Old Testament, you know, if you, if you were a slave and you got your freedom and you could, you could leave, but you wanted to stay with your master, and I don't know why they'd do this, come up with this, but they'd take your ear and put it up on the door, and then they'd run it all through there, and, you know, basically you had some skin in the game. But I think I'd have figured something else out before somebody had a hammer and an all on my ear and said, okay, look, look, I'm in, I'm in. No need in doing that, you know. Here, let me give you a piece of fingernail. Stick it in there, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jam a hole in my ear. That just doesn't seem, you know, oof. Anywho, but that meant you became a bondservant. And Paul refers to himself, I'm a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, folks, listen to me. Sometimes when you're all messed up in the world and you're getting yourself all twisted and out of joint, you need to just stop and think, man, thank you, Lord, I'm saved. Thank you, I know you. A lot of times I get to reading books on on end time eschatology and all the things coming on and people are saying, well, this is this and this is this and this is this and I can get all caught up in all that. And then I stop and say, you know, bottom line is I just glad I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. Woo. Thank you for that. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I'm just glad I'm in the party. You know? By the way, I'm going to hold my finger here on my notes so I don't forget where I'm at. I want to tell y'all, I'm, I'm going to be doing a new series on Wednesday night, and I'm going to be doing it completely different. And basically, I'm doing it for the online audience, and so it gets recorded like that. But I'm doing a deal on what is salvation is basically it. And I, and I mean, the Lord has given me some stuff that's going to be so good. So those of you who want to tune in on a Wednesday night, I'm not going to start it this week. It'll be the next week, but it's going to be something great. So that's just a little shout out for that. Okay, so now go to 1 Corinthians 6.19. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Is this helping you this morning? Yes. I hope so. 1 Corinthians 6.19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought with a price. Everybody say, I was bought with a price. <clears throat> you know what the price was? It was the blood of Jesus. The price for you, just think about this. The price that was paid for you was Jesus' death on the cross. So how valuable are you? Ooh, you must be pretty valuable. Did y'all hear that one? I, I, don't, I may have already said this, but the one about the woman in the Goodwill store bought the statue. Uh, it was a bust, a head, and she paid $35 for it. Took it home, got to thinking, that thing looks pretty good. That thing looks like it might be something. And she took it to an appraiser. An appraiser just fell over because it was a piece of art stolen from a museum during World War II by the Nazis uh, over in some Eastern Bloc country. And it was worth millions millions but the only problem was it was stolen art so it (laughs) fell under the deal I don't even think she got her $35 back and she lost the head but anyway a story if you'd have got that got it for $35 and it was worth millions and you made all that you'd you'd be excited right well that's how it is with God you've been bought at a price but the price that was paid for you was son of God So that's how valuable you are. You think you have no value in life? Your life's value is the blood of Jesus for each one of you. And he'd have come to earth and done it if there was only you. So how valuable are you? Man, the price on your head's worth lots more than millions. 
And you were bought at a price of the blood of Jesus. So therefore, we got to look at ourselves as valuable people. You were valuable for God to come down and to save and to go to the cross and go through all of that to save you. So don't ever let the devil tell you that you don't have any value. You're not important. Okay? don't ever let the devil tell you you're not important. Because you've been bought at a price, price of the blood of Jesus. Now. I'm going to skip here because I just really want to get to this other part. Now, let's go to Proverbs 3, 5. I mean, it's a scripture that you know, but I want to show you something here, how it fits in. Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So here we see if you're going to have your thoughts to be the thoughts of God, you've got to understand something. When you trust in the Lord... With all your heart, right? right? But notice he says, don't lean to your own understanding. In other words, here again, you got to see you got to get out of the way. And the moment you get out of the way and you start to acknowledge him in all of your ways, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm the bond servant. Today, I'm going to go out. You ought to start out every morning when you wake up and you go to the whatever you do first thing in the morning and go to the table to get a cup of coffee or whatever, you should stop and say, well, Lord, I think I'm breathing today. <laughs> so I just declare, Lord, I ask you to, uh, I'm going to acknowledge you in everything I do today. Lord, I'm your bond servant. I mean, whatever, whatever comes flowing out of your mouth, but you should acknowledge it every day. Say, here I am. So I'm going to go to work and I'm going to start walking that direction. If I'm not supposed to be, would you order my steps that direction? I used to get so frustrated when I would wake up in the morning and I'd set my day. And then as I tried to go in my day, everything got like the other day when my truck broke down. I was happened to be in Uvalde and uh, I was in a hurry to go get what I needed done and get back up to the house to get some stuff done. And the check engine light came on <clears throat> and I was like, well, that's not good. And I thought, well, I'm in Uvalde. I'm right here by the dealership. I might as well go to the dealership and see what's going on. So I pulled in and they looked at it and said, hey, man, your turbocharger's out. And I said, well, that's not good. And so then I thought to myself, right then I started, I, I wanted to get angry. The first inkling I had was like a little something came up in me. Whoop, and I was like, I wanted to say, well, man, what in the world? I wanted to get mad. I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to rebuke the devil. Devil, I see you sorry, no good for nothing. I was just going to go off on that. And I said, no, I don't know. Lord, I said today, you, you acknowledge you in all my ways. You're going to direct my paths. And so I walked in to the waiting room. They said, well, let's go check a few things out and see what's going on and, you know, just wait for it. And so I went in there, check it out, and I turned it, and there's a person I hadn't seen in a couple of years was sitting in there. And I walked in, and I looked at him and said, and I just knew instantly, that's why I'm here. Now, God didn't break my truck to make me get there to the dealership and all that. Don't go crazy with all that kind of thinking. But God had it already arranged everything. And there the person was, and we had a big hug, and we got to talk and got to catch up and got to uh, talk about what Jesus is doing in our lives and this and that and the other, and it was all positive. Amen. But you see, if you don't start your day out like that, well, then you're in charge. You're going to get mad. You're going to say, I'm not going to go by. I don't have time to mess with that. Whatever's going on. Then you turn in to get all crazy and spiritualize everything and say, I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. I command that check engine light to go off in the name of Jesus. Truck, you will run in the name of Jesus. I'll beat you. <laughs> well, it really doesn't have anything to do with your faith or whatever. Or God moving. It has to do with just you're trying to get done what you want done on your timetable and your time schedule rather than acknowledging what the Lord. You know, God is not 
Right now, they're not wringing their hands at the things that are going on in the world and saying, oh, you know, whatever. He's okay. He's got a plan for your life, and he's going to finish it if you'll just get in there and cooperate with him. Now, Psalms 119, 133 says, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. And so it goes back to the same thing. You can't really have your thought life lined up if you don't have word being fed in you. All right. You've got to be feeding word in you. If there's no word being fed in you, well, then your thought life's really going to get crazy because you're just going to be left to your own thoughts. All right. Another scripture, you can just write it down, Isaiah 45, 2. It says, I will go before you and make the crooked path straight, and I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. You have to believe that God is going before you and making the crooked path straight. Okay? This is all a part of God lining your thoughts up. Even though it looks crooked to you, he's going to straighten it up and get it where it needs to be. Okay, now let me get here. Now I want to get to the message. Okay, I want to finish with this. Go to 1 Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath. <clears throat> that was also in my daily reading this morning. I had to put it in. I told my, uh, when I saw it this morning, I was like, ah, I'm, I, I got to preach this, Lord. Give me somehow I can twist this in. I love the st- story of David and Goliath. There's so much wealth in that, in chapter 17 of God and word and living. And <clears throat> so I'm going to pick it up in verse 33. I'll save you the first part, but go to verse 33. Now, so here we go. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Now, folks, listen to me. You have to understand something. It is not unusual that everyone around you will tell you you can't do something. There are many well-meaning people who are not following the thoughts of the Lord but are only following their own thoughts. And they look at you and they look at the situation and they tell you, (laughs) you don't stand a chance. But that's their thoughts. And I don't need their thoughts. I want God's thoughts. Right? And God is like in this story here with David. David said to Saul, your servant, look at what he's saying here. Now just, just get hold of this. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. So wait a minute, just stop for a second. He's, he's about to go for his first time ever at war with the biggest man around, physically. He's a giant. And it's so big. Now, come on. David's brothers, they weren't wimps. There were many... Uh, Yeah, warriors in the camp of Israel that went out to battle. They were not wimps. They were not Nancy boys that that just didn't want to fight. Hello? But Goliath was so intimidating that he caused the greatest of the warriors in Israel's camp to get down in a hole and think, oh, man, I, I can't do this. Do you see that the whole God would have blessed anybody to kill Goliath, but nobody would take God's thoughts. So what I'm saying to you this morning is, are you willing to take God's thoughts? Are you willing to let God begin to arrange the thoughts in your life? And and, and instead of looking at what you lost 
or what the enemy is saying or what anybody else is telling you, start to look at what God's thoughts are. Because that's what's going to get you out of depression. That's what's going to get you into going forward in life. That's what's going to get you, you know, winning the victory and, and waving the flags and shouting hallelujah. But look what David did. Here we go. Look what David did. He said he goes back to some experience of his own life. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it. I struck it. And delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me. Now, this is, <laughs> see, I believe the Bible's true. And I believe it literally. All right. Okay. He got the lamb, the lamb out of the lion's mouth. Now it's attacking him. How did he get the, the lamb out of the lion's mouth? He didn't kill, he didn't kill the lion. And then take the lamb out of his mouth. He somehow got the lamb out of the lion's mouth before he killed it. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. What? And struck and killed it? (laughs) I mean, come on, folks, I believe it. David wasn't just making up something. I believe it. He somehow or another, a lion's got a lamb. He attacks the lion. I don't know if he jumped on his back. He forced his mouth open. He did whatever. He attacked. David attacked this lion. The lion's just wanting to go have lamb. (laughs) Had no earthly idea. He was going to get jumped on by a 17-year-old boy. Well, he says, I don't know how old he was. They say he's about 17, 17 to 19 when he killed Goliath, but I don't know when this story of the lion took place. He's got this teenager on his back. The lion's got a teenager on his back. Maybe he got him by the nose, got up on there and got him by the nose, pulled his mouth open. I don't know what he did. But he attacked a lion because it had his lamb. He didn't just say, wow, okay. 97, that's all we got now. (laughs) Count today, lost one, the lion got it. I don't know of anybody who would be thinking a lion's out there and I'm going to jump on its back and try to get the lamb out of its mouth. But David did. Then, so, I mean, I visualize things. So I'm saying, I don't know how he did it, but I'm saying he jumped on his back. Give it to me. Pulled his mouth on, but took the lamb out. Then he's willing, willing to let the lion live. She jumps off the lion. And then it turns on him, and he said, now you, now you messed up. So he grabs him by the beard, suck him up right there, and said, now I'll kill you. So your servant has killed both lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, in other words, that he's not in covenant with Almighty God, will be like one of them, seeing has defied the armies of the living God. You see, folks, when your life is wrapped up and you're carrying your cross and you've got the yoke on you of Jesus and your life is wrapped up with him, your fights become fights about God, not fights about you. All of a sudden you begin to look at everything and you begin to say, wait a minute, you are fighting against the living God. You are an uncircumcised Philistine. You are not in covenant with God. And I 
am in covenant with Almighty God. You don't stand a chance. You picked on the wrong person. I will grab you by the beard and kill you because you are not dealing with a mere mortal man. But see, you can't say this in your thought life if your life is still hung on to you because you're like, oh, gosh, that's a line. And, you know, he's got big teeth and I don't know if I, you know, got everything right. I don't know if I can do this or not. Because, see, you're wrapped up in it. So the stress on your life is coming because you're wrapped up in it. You're the one doing it rather than saying, Lord, I just think I'm a bond servant of you. Whoo, Lord, I think you got in charge of my life and I'm going to end up right where I need to be because you're ordering my steps, you're preparing my ways. You're making all the crooked paths straight. And so whatever I end up, that's where you wanted me to end up, Lord. And I'll just walk through whatever I got to walk through because I'm your servant. You're in charge. You're taking care of me. So then you look at every situation that comes against you as, wait a minute. You're messing with me. I'm sorry. I belong to God. So therefore, you're touching what God's property is. You're not dealing with a human. You're dealing with a son of the living God. It's a little s. You're dealing with a child of God here. You're touching what God's property is. So David said, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're crazy, but go ahead. <laughs> he actually said, go and the Lord be with you. So it's kind of like, uh, we'll do a good funeral for you. <laughs> Give it a good shot, but you know. We'll do a funeral for you because he didn't think it happened. You see, folks, your thoughts begin to line up in life when you begin to realize that you're his. You belong to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the craziness that's going on in the world doesn't begin to affect you because you know that you're his and you've got a mission to do that day. And whatever God's called you to do that you go do. And your thoughts start to line up. You start to, you start to get what's called the mind of Christ. You start to have a Christ-like mind that starts to operate in you. So then all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're thinking of every situation. Instead of, I need a bigger hammer to hit this, you're saying, Lord, uh, what would you like me to do? And things begin to just line up. So just like David, he looked at everything as, wait a minute, you're touching God's property. Amen? Amen. So put your Bibles up. And I just want to tell you, if, if you're out there watching and or, or, or you're in here today and you have never made the first step to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, that's what you have to start and do. It's all about you coming to the place in life where you know that you know that you know that you're saved. You see, folks, I know that I know that I'm not going to do everything right. I know that I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know that I know that I'm going to, you know, stumble and fall. But I do know that I know down inside of me that I'm a child of God. I'm born again. Why? Because I gave my life to Jesus. It's not something that I did because of church or anything like that. It's because of the reality of who he is came into my heart one day. And I ask him to forgive me of my sins. And I ask him to save me, to wash me in his blood. And I realized the price that was paid for me was great. And I accepted and asked him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I gave my life to him. 
And so maybe you're watching this program today and you're listening and you've never you've never really given your life to the Lord. Maybe you went through some kind of motions. Maybe you, you, you went to church as a child. Maybe you went to a confirmation class or, or you did something in your life that, you know, you're kind of hoping that worked. You're kind of hoping that got you there. But you don't need to be in a hoping state. You need to be in a knowing state inside of your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He's your master. You're a bondservant of the Lord. And the Bible is real simple. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if, if you would take And confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The Bible says you would be saved. It's that place of coming to knowing like the prodigal son when he came to himself. That you come to yourself and said, I need Jesus in my life. Then the spirit of God will touch you and he'll do some transformation down on the inside of you. He'll he'll work in you and and you'll do what uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says. You'll become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away, and behold, all's become new. And so if you want to do that right now, wherever you are, if you're just listening or watching right now, right where you're at, you can just cry out to Jesus. You can just begin to ask him to come in your life, and he'll touch you right there. If you're in the building today, in a minute, my prayer team's going to be up here, and they'll be here to pray for you and, 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 and lead you through a sinner's prayer and ask Jesus to come into your life, and, and you can be saved right here. And so... If, if today's message, and everybody just stand up in here. If today's message is spoken to you, matter of fact, the prayer team, y'all come on up. But if, if, the, if this message is spoken to you today and you realize that your thoughts haven't been what your thoughts should have been, well, it's okay. Just repent. Just right now say, Lord, I'm sorry for... Being in charge, trying to be in charge. Lord, I'm sorry, and and, and you're the Lord of my life. I'm following you. Just do some repentance right there as I pray. And you watch what Jesus will do for you. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now. I ask you that as as we realize how we, we get involved, we get in the middle of it. We're trying to help you when we shouldn't be. And sometimes we've just lost our cross. We put it down and we didn't, we, we, we forgot where we put it, Lord. I pray today that everyone listening, everyone in the, 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 that can hear my voice, that, Lord God, they will see the errors of their ways. That, Lord, they will quit being in charge and pushing and frustrated and living under stress. But rather, Lord, to submit to you and believe that you are ordering our steps and preparing our ways and making all the crooked paths straight. So, Lord, I thank you. Those yokes and chains fall off of us today. I declare, Lord God, that we are blessed in everything that we do. I thank you, Lord God, that you're leading and guiding the people today. And those people, Lord God, are going to find a place of peace and rest with you. So, Lord, I thank you for that supernatural rest. I ask you to bless the people today. Just give them just abundance of joy and abundance of peace in their life. Bless them and everything they do. Lord, this week, give us people that we can come to and, and, and minister to and to give the good news about Jesus and what you've done for us. So, Lord, as we leave this building today, I thank you we're not leaving your spirit. We're not leaving your presence. But I thank you that you go with us in everywhere that we go. So bless them, O oh Lord God, more than they could ever imagine. In Jesus' mighty name, 
Amen and amen. God bless you, church.